Whoop. How's whoop? How are sound level? Sound. Sound levels. Making some tweaks to the sound. An alien got in here. I am an alien. An alien with uh, in need of some uh, rhinoplasty to fix <laughs> their deviated septum. <laughs> this is just who I'm I am. Oh no. <laughs> An alien with a head cold. <laughs> I've come to your planet for cold medication. <laughs> Are you a good witch? Or a bad bitch, bad bitch, bad bitch. I've been a rebel all my life. We will not remain hidden figures. We have names. Oh, if it's naughty to rule your list, shake your shoulders, shake your hips, and let a lady confess I want to be bad. I didn't kid you, did I? Well, now you know. Hi, Hannah. Uh, hello. That was a very silly start to a very silly podcast. <laughs> Perfect. I think we've covered our bases then. I think we're good. All right. Uh, I have a mug of coffee. I am ready to go. I'm ready to talk about ladies because yeah? you know why? Uh, this is a podcast about oh. ladies. <laughs> It's called Good Witches, Bad Bitches. What do we do here, Han? We talk about ladies and uh, feminine-inclined <laughs> people, and we um, we cover them across the spectrum of history. With a giant historical blanket. Yeah. Yeah. That's Hannah. Oh, yeah. That's me. I'm, I'm Deanna. Shit, we said that at the same time. I'm Deanna. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and we take you on this casual ride <laughs> very casual we are not scholars we just like looking we're not scholars up we just like talking women. about ladies yeah and we get really passionate and fired up talking about them and the things that they did the things that they do the things that they want to do yeah the things they went through the things they had to fight for odds. yeah man it's very inspiring i agree um i i did want to read you a little thing that kind of pertains to one of the one of our previous episodes Ooh. Um, about the Dan sisters. Yes. And if you remember them or if you didn't listen to the episode, um, the gist of it is that the Dan sisters were and are were they are. Um, well, only well, one of them still alive. But. Yeah. One of them passed away a couple years ago, but they were there. They were in our Native American um sisters who live on a ranch that was technically given to them by you know the quote united states before quote unquote given to given them. yeah like they they were basically they're, they're shoshone spiritual leaders yeah i remember that yeah they made an agreement to maintain the land and the u.s wouldn't um you know claim it as their own and of course and that the hasn't US went back on that and they're like oh no no that's fake yeah and so the dan sisters have gotten into a lot of trouble over the years with the u.s because they haven't paid any taxes and they haven't been paying grazing fees for their cattle and all this stuff and they have um, been racking up fines that they're never going to pay and at the same time a mormon rancher on on the same land or close to um named cliven bundy was in a fucking armed standoff with agents a couple of years ago. Right, because he said that his ancestral Mormon ancestors, that's redundant. Yeah. His Mormon ancestors 
went and claimed that land before the U.S. government did. So it was his by rights. Yep. And he wasn't. Which is kind of funny. Yeah. I, I still can't believe Mormon ancestors. That's not a thing because Mormons haven't been around for that long. Well, yeah. And unlike with the Dan sisters, uh, the government agreed with him and gave him back his cattle and said, and all right. And they're like, all right, you're right. Have fun. Yep. Peace out. Um, so his son, Ammon Bundy, was part of that militia mm-hmm. the, that organized to defend his land. And he was in the news um, recently because he's kind of changed his mind about some things. And so I thought it would be interesting to read this article. Or at least... Was he changed his mind or is this just the way that he thinks and it's very complex? Well, let's mm-hmm. see what Washington Post has to say about it. Yeah, I don't know. Um... So this article, let's see who wrote this piece. Um, Leah, shit, I don't know how to say this last name. Leah Sotile, Sotile, and Eli Rosenberg. Um, So it starts, Ammon Bundy has been back in the news of late. No, he is not involved in in another armed standoff with the federal government, (laughs) like he was in 2016, as the leader of an armed takeover at a wildlife refuge in Oregon. And two years before that, a similar standoff over the rights to graze cattle on federal land near his father's ranch in Nevada. So he's been part of two... I didn't standoffs. Know. Oh lord. Yeah, do you remember that that wildlife refuge one in Oregon? Yeah. That one was like Yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking bullshit. I didn't realize he led that one. Oh shit. Uh, yeah. I didn't connect those dots. I did not either. Um Sweet. I'm not the only idiot. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're not an idiot and neither am I. Okay, thank you. Oh. Bundy, one of the figureheads of the anti-government sentiment that crested with the rise of President Trump, made waves last week when he criticized the president for demonizing the migrant caravan at the southern border. The statements were striking for a figure so closely identified with the country's libertarian and anti-government right wing. Um, And on Friday, BuzzFeed News reported that Bundy was quitting the militia movement and powering down his social media accounts. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that part. Yeah. He says, I never joined a movement. We were a ranching family. We were ranching, and the government came to take our livelihood away, and we said no. It was no more than that. Okay. He said the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He said the only real announcement he had made uh, was that he was unplugging from Facebook after being surprised by the angry response to his remarks on the caravan. Um, oh, boy. Of course. Yeah, I was asked multiple times from different various individuals. Different various. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, what I thought about these caravans. And I didn't know, to be honest with you. I didn't know the facts. So I began to research and try to determine for myself. His verdict on the caravan, which he delivered in a 17-minute video at the time, <laughs> broke sharply with the Trump-aligned orthodoxy on the issue. Oh, no. Oh, oh, God. He didn't fall in line with everything Trump says. Why? Let's demonize him. He was basically... What did he say? He was basically called them all criminals. Jesus, Bundy. Uh, your English sucks. Um, what well, about... Well, maybe it was like the way that... It... He was basically... He called them all criminals. Yeah. All right. We'll That's go with the like benefit of the doubt. Quote. Yeah. What about the fathers, the mothers, the children who have come here and are willing to go through the process to apply for asylum so that they can come into this country and benefit from not having to be oppressed continually by criminals? Right. Wow, Bundy. That's a that's a real smart view. 
Bundy, whose family's selective interpretation of Mormonism undergirds its members' anti-government outlook, said his views on the migrants were motivated in part by his religious faith. He criticized par- partisan-inflected media coverage of the caravan from the right and the left. Sure. Um and said assertions that the migrants were being paid by liberal philanthropist George Soros or had terrorists in their ranks were a bunch of garbage. Thank you. Which is like, wow, most conservatives honestly believe that George Soros is paying for this shit. Yeah, but you know what's funny is that, I mean, I know that he's from a very particular sect of uh, Mormonism and therefore a very particular sect of Christianity, but you'd think it would keep in line with Christian views. You would think. To be surprised. To be like, yeah, people who are running from being terrorized in their home, we should help them. Well, it's in the fucking Bible. That's what I mean. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Let's see. Let's see if there's anything else that is worth saying. These refugees are not all the same. They didn't come from the same places. They didn't even come from the same country. Um, Sam Jackson, an assistant professor at the University of Albany College... Uh, whoa, of emergency preparedness, homeland security, and cybersecurity. That's a college. That's a fucking mouthful. In a, that's like a college in a university? Yep. <laughs> that's an, a thing that didn't exist when we were in college? No. Um, who studies far-right extremism, wondered whether Trump's treatment of migrants cut too close to a history that feels all too near for Mormons, such as Bundy. Hmm. Adherents of the faith were persecuted in the United States in the 1800s before seeking out a new home in part of North America, in a part of North America that was then outside the country's borders, present-day Utah. So they identify with the stranger. Interesting. Yeah. There's more, but I think I'm going to end it there just because that's kind of, that's all I really wanted to point out. And I thought that was interesting given how recently we just talked about his family and... yeah their crazy standoff with the government over cattle and now they're back in the news yeah and now ammon bundy's like what these these people are people and no one believes me or will talk to me about it that's not in line with people who are very pro second amendment like myself yep imagine yep it's crazy so cool yeah man that's nice. <laughs> that's that's slightly hopeful. Yeah, it is. It is because maybe some people that are right wingers who are his like supporters and defenders before maybe they'll fucking listen. Not a lot yeah. of them. Maybe will get defensive, but maybe some of them will be like, actually, you make a good point. Yeah. What's up, witches? We have some really exciting news. We have just launched our Patreon. Yay! Woohoo! Something we've been trying to do for a while. Yes. And we've finally gotten there. Yes. And if you are not familiar with Patreon, it is basically a platform that helps content creators like us, like us make a little bit of money to help with costs associated with creating that content. Right. You can find us at patreon.com slash podcast, mm-hmm. um, and we'll have the link in our show notes. Yes. At the moment, we have a very basic tiered system. You get to be a patron of this show, and you can opt in to whether or not you want to be a good witch patron or a bad bitch patron. It's the same if you do a minimum donation of $3 or more per month, and uh, the first 10 people of each will get a free pin. Corresponding. Corresponding to whichever 
option you chose. Hell yeah. And you'll get a shout out on the podcast Hell as yeah. a good witch or a bad bitch, yep. whichever one you choose to be. Which is pretty fucking rad. Yeah, we're pretty excited about that. And we really appreciate all of the support that you guys have given us thus far and that you'll continue to give us, hopefully, fingers crossed. And we look forward to seeing you in our Patreosphere. Hell yeah. Uh, Matriosphere on Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Let's go with it. Cool. Cool. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. We love you. All right. Before we dive into this week's lady. This week's lady. We have some shout outs. Shout outs because we have patrons. Witches, Hell yeah. Which we're so stoked about. And it's like, it means so much. Yeah. It means so much. It's incredibly helpful. You don't even know. So no. thank you very much. And um, financially and morally. Financially and it just <laughs> feels good. Support. It just feels good to know people like us. Um so yeah, we want to give a shout out to our new patrons. Our good witches and our bad bitches. Yes, we have two of each. So we're gonna we're gonna go for I'm I will let you know who our good witch patrons are. And Hannah will, will lay on you the bad bitch patrons. So we want to say thank you to good witch Alex Brown for supporting us. Thank you, Alex. Yes. And good witch Keith Manuel, who also sends us lots of really cool stuff. So thank you for supporting us financially and also supporting us by sending us cool stuff to Informationally. Talk about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Um, and our bad bitches are Dina White. Thank you very much, Dina. Thanks, Dina. And Rebecca M. Thank you very, very much, Rebecca M. Um, I also wanted to mention that Alex Brown and Rebecca M. have their own podcast called The Bridge, which is wonderful. It's a it's a, a narrative podcast, and they're doing some really cool stuff over there. So you should go check that out. It's it's a different sort of uh, vibe for me today. Uh-oh. So I'm going to open with a uh, little article snippet. Yes. But uh, this week, my sources, before I forget, Vulture, Telegraph, Revelist, The Guardian, L, and a little sprinkling of Wikipedia. All right. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Okay. Get ready. All right. I think you'll like this one. I'm very, very intrigued. Okay. Can't stop, won't stop. Uh-oh. On the Today Show Tuesday morning, Jamila Jamil continued her crusade against celebrities promoting detox teas online. Oh, shit. After calling out select celebrities by name, Cardi B, the Kardashians, and Iggy Azalea, Jamil broadly condemned all celebrities pushing these diet products. When Al Roker asked her about her activism around body positivity, Jamil slammed the teas, which she described as essentially bad laxatives. <laughs> <laughs> there are lots of detox teas, they're called, she says. There's a false health advertising around them, and they're being flogged by celebrities who have no integrity or care for their fans. These drinks are laxatives. They'll just make you go to the toilet, and that will give you a flat stomach for about a day, and then the next day you'll have bowel complications a lot of the time. Well, I'm sure you don't want to talk about this in the morning. Unfollow (laughs) those people, people who sell you toxic rhetoric about your body image or try to sell you toxic products that they don't know what's in them. They probably don't drink them themselves. Unfollow. Stay away. Be safe. You're really doing... Jamila Jamil. Amazing! (laughs) Because she's all over the place right now. And she's kind of exactly what I needed. 
Yeah. I, she's been like reading stuff about her has actually helped me with my mental state. So I was like, why don't I talk about her? Because maybe that'll be helpful for other I love people. that. I, I actually like literally just followed her on Instagram the other day for that same reason. Mm-hmm. Like she's a breath of fresh air in the whole fucking body image um, movement. Movement. And she's very brash. And sometimes she says some stuff that I'm kind of like, that's, that's aggressive, <laughs> yeah. but it's kind of refreshing. Yeah. And I I actually end with like a, a recent tweet of hers that made me, it was like the, the, the linchpin in me going, that I'm going to talk about her. So. Yay. It feels very appropriate. So let's talk about British Jamila Jamil. Do Stunning, we need, gorgeous lady. Do we need to say what she's, what people I, might know her from or? I do cover it. Okay. I'll let you go. <laughs> so here we go. Most British people still know Jamil Vest from her time as a presenter on Radio 1 and her three-year stint on pop culture show T4 from 2009, where she was a fun and lively interviewer who, for example, informed Russell Brand live on air that interviewing him was a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) But in the U.S., she's become a bona fide star thanks to her role in NBC's The Good Place, made by the people behind Parks and Recreation. The Good Place. Set in the afterlife and co-starring Kristen Bell and Ted Danson, The Good Place is one of those rare shows that manages to be very smart and extremely silly in which extended discussions about Kierkegaard and Plato as the characters try to figure out if they're good or bad rub up against jokes about Blue Ivy Carter and James Franco. <laughs> Jamil is very funny as Tahani Al-Jamil, a little Miss Perfect socialite who name drops for Britain. One of her lines... I haven't been this upset since my good friend Taylor was rudely upstaged by my other good friend Kanye, who was defending my best friend Beyonce. The oh show God. has just finished shooting its third season. Da 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 da. I love her on that show. She's great. Also, her dresses are amazing. Ridiculous. I love that Kristen Bell just called, like, her character always calls her a giraffe. <laughs> I know, you gorgeous giraffe. So she's uh, the five foot ten Jamila Jamil Woo! was born in London. To an Indian father and a Pakistani mother on February 25th, 1986. She was not raised religious and still doesn't consider herself to be religious. Just random fact. Cool. For the most part, she grew up in London with shorter stints in Pakistan and Spain. Her parents uh, had a very sad marriage, according to her. Uh, They divorced when she was pretty young. Also, I knew nothing about her late childhood. No. Um, she says, uh, quote, I had quite a lonesome childhood and it's taken me a long time to learn how to be around other people. <laughs> she attended a private girl's school on a scholarship and she apparently didn't have a good time there either. Uh, she says that she was a weird kid. Uh, she was deaf for a large portion of her childhood. She was born with congenital hearing loss and oh. labyrinthitis, which she had to have several operations to correct. Damn. So she says that she used to have to stare at people to lip read. And even when she got her hearing back, she would still stare because she was in the habit. Yeah. She was. She says, I was starey. And I'm <laughs> I'm overly honest. I always have been. Um, yeah. She says that she has 70% hearing in her left ear and 50% in her right today. I had no idea. Damn. Yeah. God, that's like, I don't know. You would never know. Mm-mm. But that's crazy. Yeah. Um, and apparently from age 14 to 17, she, uh, was anorexic. Oh. She says, I didn't eat a meal for three years and her period stopped. Oh. Uh, she says, where did my teens go? Who took that for me? It was a lack of good messaging from women. 
you had Kate Moss saying, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels or a woman who would gain weight for a movie and then lose it for the Oscars. And everyone would be like, oh, thank God Renee Zellweger is back from her disgusting size eight in Bridget Jones's diary. Clap, clap, clap. Congratulations, Renee. And because no one was ever criticizing or questioning it, I thought, oh, that's the right way to think. Those were my role models. Oh, God, it's so true, though. But um, fortunately and unfortunately, at the age of 17, she was hit by a car. Oh. After being chased by a bee. Oh. She apparently <laughs> she apparently has a massive fear of bees. And a, Ted Danson says that she will throw you under a bus to escape a bee. <laughs> like, literally throw you under a bus. Um, oh, no. So she was hit by a car. And it oh broke a lot of her bones and damaged her spine. Oh, my God. And she was told that they didn't know if she would be able to walk again. But she had steroid treatment and physiotherapy. And she slowly recovered. And she, for a while, used a walker mm. to walk as a teenager. But uh, so she cites the car accident as what pushed her towards recovery and body image. Yeah. That it changed her relationship with her body and literally knocked some sense into her. God damn. Yeah. Um, while in recovery, she also spent a lot of time watching sitcoms in bed, like Cheers. She had Ted Danson in it. Oh. <laughs> Upon recovering, she met a man at a pub who suggested she audition for a TV hosting gig. She went expecting nothing, but wound up being offered a role on a show called Music Zone. Um, but at, and at the time, she he's very talkative today. At the time, she had been teaching English to foreign students. Like, that was her day job. And she continued to ha uh, have that day job until her growing fame became a distraction. Um, Jamil, now a healthy body weight, had ex uh, has experienced both sides. Uh, uh, both. Nope. I'm really starting that sentence again. Um. <laughs> <clears throat> Jamil, now a healthy body weight, has experienced both sides of extreme body size. When she was 20 years old, she had mercury poisoning and she lost a great deal of weight. Uh, she says that she had to learn to accept herself despite the fact that she was seriously underweight and had to try and feel sexy. When she started working as a presenter on T4, the papers criticized her for being too thin. Then, while she was working as a radio DJ for the BBC, her asthma got so bad that she was prescribed steroids. Oh. Quote, Steroids make you eat trees and planes and cars, she says. <laughs> Anything you can find, you're never not hungry. And I was on them for months and months and months. She gained 75 pounds. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, she was disgusted, apparently, by the constant harassment of the paparazzi at this time. Like, they were outside her house every time she would pick up her keys. Uh, she says, photos of my ass were in magazines. It was so invasive, and it, she feels it should be illegal. Uh, she said, but it really opened my eyes because when I was a size six or eight, they only took photos of me that would make me look good when I was posing on the red carpet or whatever. And as soon as I hit a size 10, they only wanted photos of me looking bad, like with my mouth open or my eyes closed. No one tried to take my picture when I was running, when I was thin, only when I was fat. Ugh. Nobody took pictures of her running when she was thin, only when she was fat. Uh... And then the the person who wrote this article said she was considered fat as, as a size 10. <laughs> I mean, that's the most disgusting thing about it. Size 10 at 5'10". God damn it. And she says, yes, seriously, come on, she says. But what really upset me was that they never documented any of my professional successes at that time. Like the fact that I was the first woman to hold the, host the chart show on Radio 1. First woman. God damn. They would only, it was always about my failure to fulfill some prototype. It made history, me being the first woman uh, to host that show. And I gained 200,000 listeners. And all the media could talk about was that I'd gone up two dress sizes. That's so fucking gross. 
It's now why she stresses that it's really important for people to accept themselves as they are. There are much bigger things going on in the world that you have to fight through, never mind bullying each other. For anyone to feel good about themselves is wonderful. Uh, while she was at her heavier weight, um, a lot of people obviously suggested she sign a deal with a weight loss company. Oh, God. Instead, she went to the House of Commons. I spoke about the wording and messaging in our tabloids, the way we treat women, and what that did to me as a child. Her activism led to a collaboration with the clothing brand Simply B on a, quote, burger-friendly namesake collection. <laughs> so she, she created a plus-size line of clothes based off her experiences. That's so awesome. <laughs> Recently, uh, she tweeted two photos of herself during that time uh, and also shared how it prompted her to start her plus-size clothing line. Um, the tweet says... The paparazzi tried to shame me and would taunt me outside of my own home. Did I cover up? No. I wore whatever I wanted, and I owned my fun body that took me from point A to point B. Over the course of five years of no medication, the weight came off. But I didn't kill myself at a gym. I didn't diet at all. I embraced it, and I believed I was worth more than punishing myself for some weight when I had built this whole life that I was enjoying and was proud of. Love that. So this is all while she's still in England. This is before she's even... Yeah. Oh, my God. And so... I had no idea she was, like, that famous in England. I didn't either. But she was famous for being a radio presenter and a TV show host. Yeah. She'd never acted before. Oh. Oh, that's... All right. Mind-blowing, right? Yeah. So, um, then, uh, she had a breast cancer scare at the age of 28. Oh, my God. And it prompted this her... poor woman. <laughs> prompted her to make some life changes. It's a scare. She didn't have breast cancer. I know, but scare. that's, like... Still. She decided at that time that she would no longer wait to do the things she wanted to do. She quit her BBC radio job. She dumped her boyfriend and she moved to Los Angeles. Oh, wow. Uh, people told her she was too old, too fat and too ethnic to make it in Hollywood. Fuck that. But she knew it was time to move on from London. Besides, she was still a few years shy of 30. Oh, my God. <laughs> like she's too old at 28. Oh, my God. When she moved to L.A., she originally hoped to find work as a screenwriter, but she like had no contacts or networking for that particular field um yeah she stayed at a terrible hotel and spent her days at a nearby restaurant at one point she met a serbian lingerie model in need of a roommate <laughs> that woman helped her get her bearings and open a bank account she began dating someone new the english singer songwriter james blake what they're still together oh yes whom she'd only known for four weeks at the time. Oh he apparently God. flew out to visit Los Angeles and they started dating and he never left. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my God. Which is crazy to me. I love that. Eventually, her manager insisted that she audition for a new show, The Good Place. Oh, man. The show was apparently a state secret or just as good as... And all Jamil knew ahead of the audition was that Michael Schur wanted someone of her ethnicity, but also English and irritating. <laughs> she says, I believe I check all three of those boxes. <laughs> Even so, she had very low expectations, assuming that uh, everyone would find her to be a shit actress, Aww. but possibly likable enough to hire as a writer. However, when Schur met Jamil, he couldn't believe that she wasn't already a huge star. Her presence was undeniable. Her audition was sort of stunning, he says. The character was described as having a British accent. And when she asked me before she read which specific accent I'd prefer, Oxford, royal family, East London, West London, and so on, and demonstrated each of them with flawless precision, <laughs> the idea that she had never acted before seemed impossible. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Uh, Jamil plays a character who is defined by her Englishness. Her ethnicity is not an issue. Similarly, the two young male leads are played by an African-American man, William Jackson Harper, and a Filipino-Canadian man, Manny Jacinto. And in neither case is their ethnicity a bar to them having on-screen romances with women from other backgrounds. Quote, there was a moment when we were filming uh, in season one when I realized I was in a scene with two other women from South Asian backgrounds and it wasn't commented on the show or anything. Jamil says, we were all shocked by this for our race to not be fetishized in some way. And we were shocked by how shocked we were. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, you generally you hear, oh, well, we already have one of those. Yeah. So it was the same kind of thing with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Melissa Fumero was sure that she no, no, it was Stephanie Beatrice. Yeah. Who she was like, oh, Melissa Fumero. She heard that Melissa Fumero got cast. And she's like, there's no way they're going to cast me because they already have a Latina woman. Yep. Which is, yeah. So fucked. Right. But then they did cast her because who fucking cares? Because. Because she was right for the part. And hopefully little by little, inch by inch, we're getting better. Yeah. But so the first season of The Good Place, she admits, was hard for her to fully enjoy. Quote, it was a very fun, very tense experience, but I was so scared. We shot the finale last, so you literally walked away with a feeling of ending. I'd been quite numb throughout filming, so at the end I thanked everyone and was just very cool and collected about everything that had happened for the last five months. Bizarrely so, considering I was on the Universal film set where they filmed Spartacus and Jurassic Park. (laughs) And then as I started walking off the set, I began sobbing uncontrollably all the way to the gate, and it's like a 20-minute journey in a golf cart. (laughs) (laughs) Then she connected all of her dots. Let's go back. When I was 17, I had that car accident that hurt my back. Kids my age were in college, and my father had just left our family. I didn't really have anyone to talk to, and literally every minute I was awake, I was watching American sitcoms. And to know that kid who thought she would never walk again, who felt so despondent, was now in an actual real-life American sitcom with Ted Danson, whom I used to bloody watch on Cheers, it hit me like a ton of bricks, and so she started crying. This is going to make me cry. I know. Right? Meanwhile, Jamil has taken on another high-profile role, that of an extremely vocal critic of celebrity culture. She started an Instagram account called I Weigh, in which women post images of themselves and say how much they weigh, not in pounds, but in the qualities they like about themselves. Good friend, bad singer, loving sister, so on. She made headlines earlier this year when she criticized Kim Kardashian for promoting something called an appetite suppressant lollipop. Oh, God. Fuck off, you terrible and toxic influence on young girls. <laughs> she wrote that on Twitter. Oh, my God. Kim Kardashian later deleted that post. On her Fucking blog, right. on her blog, Jamil often takes the extremely unusual step for a celebrity of calling out journalists and fellow actors by name. Quote, some awful woman called Heidi Parker for the Daily Mail Online has written an article appearance shaming a heavily, heavily pregnant Jessica Biel, begins one typical entry. She wrote a smart take on the Aziz Ansari scandal after the comedian was accused of having pressure to date into having sex and linked a lack of interest in female consent with the rising availability of porn, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, I'd I, be curious to see what she has to say about that. Apparently, she and Aziz Ansari have the same manager, which is kind of funny. Yeah. I and mean, of course, Michael Shore created Parks and Rec. <laughs> so. Yeah. But she hasn't gotten in trouble with either of them, apparently, which is kind of cool. Well, good. But. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see what happens as her star rises, uh-huh. because I know that's partially why a lot of those people like why celebrities don't get called out by other celebrities or, or whatever. It's just because like they share 
managers and they share you know you never know when you're going to end up on set with one of them one day and, and so everybody, like, it's like this producer loves so and so so if you slam them then that producer's not going to like and like blah blah yeah but if her i mean her greatest ambition was not to be an actress no you know she kind of stumbled into it which is annoying but also but I it also her. means that she's like kind of free in a way yeah. to to talk about all this shit you know yeah. she doesn't necessarily need to keep doing this and clearly yeah. she is beloved enough by her audience by her fans that it would be stupid to prioritize the feelings of the people who she's calling out she also takes issue with the expectation that women fit a homogenous mold of perfection quote the patriarchy profits from conditioning women to only think about our exterior and to spend all our money and time obsessing over our aesthetic rather than building what's inside Society finds a wide variety of men attractive, from Mark Ruffalo with his dad bod, to Adrian Brody, to Leonardo DiCaprio, to James Franco. But then, with women, it's like we all have to look like this sex doll teenage version of Angelina Jolie, <laughs> and everyone's getting the same shit done to their face to look like that, and wearing enough makeup to look like a member of the Adams family. It looks great on a filtered picture on Instagram, but it looks insane in real life. So true. So Jamil now has a role. She doesn't want any images of herself to be airbrushed. Ah... She says, I don't know any woman who's truly happy with how they look because they're always aspiring to this perfect aesthetic, and I just find it really toxic, and I've had enough. I'm just trying to be okay with myself. I think it's insane if you're okay with being airbrushed. We've been conned into thinking it's a good thing to be made to look better than we actually do. It's a direct insult. You don't look good enough as you are, so we're going to fix you. Also, it benefits me to show what I really look like because then... There's no value to tabloid photos of me. <laughs> People are used to seeing my wrinkles and my acne and my under eye circles. So the paparazzi can't catch me out, she says, placing heavy sarcasm on the last three words. That is such an interesting point that like it, so much of of tabloid photography is basically to like prove that celebrities are Fallible. faking it. Yeah. And yeah, though. And this is one thing that. I'm glad somebody touched on because I started thinking about this as I was researching her. It's easy to be bold about showing your true face to the world when it's as naturally beautiful as Jamil's. Yep. In person, her big brown eyes, long, messy black hair, and willowy but curvy figure make her look almost cartoonishly beautiful. And on her Instagram account, she posts plenty of flattering selfies. She says, I'm all for wearing nice clothes and enjoying myself, but that's just a fraction of the things I'm interested in. I make sure I put my writing out there and my campaigning, and I hope the image I projected is a rounded one. She's looking down and speaking more quietly than before, as if she's still figuring it all out. Does it really help girls and women to be told to feel better about themselves when the person doing the telling looks like a model? Jamil winces a little because she doesn't see it like that. She talks about her, quote, unsexy personality and total clumsiness. Which could come across a little like Miss America insisting she's actually super dorky because she wears glasses. And had Jamil not experienced so much bullying about her appearance as a child, maybe we would think that. Yeah. You can't possibly know that about her. Just because she looks her. the way she is now. Yeah. Um, it says whether about her weight, her skin color. Uh, the bullying went on in her youth for as long as she can remember. Mm -hmm. By the age of 12, she was already five foot ten. And big for her age. Oh my gosh. She had a lot of acne and braces. And at her private all-girls school in London, she, it was relentless. They called me the fat packy, she recalls. Oh, God. Yeah. She even said as recently as 2016, um, it was uh, right after Brexit passed. She was in Notting Hill the day after the referendum. And someone said, go home, packy. 
And the day the day after Brexit passed. And she said, how long have you been waiting to say that, mate? <laughs> yeah, good fucking question. <laughs> anyway. Oh, God. Ugh. Uh, some progress has been made, Jamil acknowledges. But she says there are still attempts to drag us back down. Being okay with yourself is the most amazing middle finger to everyone. She's quick to clarify, though, that caring about your looks is okay, too. I wear a bit of makeup and short shorts and high platform boots sometimes, but it's an eighth of who I am. I'm not sitting here as an actress who sometimes endorses clothing lines being like, don't care at all about the way you look. Just don't make it everything. It's a piece of your pie, not the whole fucking pie. Men are told to become successful and smart so that they get to date a Victoria's Secret model. We're told to become smart and successful and look like a Victoria's Secret model. (laughs) What is this bullshit extra homework? (laughs) God, I love that. That's so true. (laughs) Does Jamil ever worry about, uh, does she ever worry that being outspoken might hurt her career? Oh, I don't care about that, she says. I I can't not say this because then I might become a double agent for the patriarchy, which has always been my greatest fear. A double agent for the patriarchy. Mm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's an obvious irony in that it took coming to L.A. in many ways the global epicenter of body neuroses and abuse enablement to turn Jamil into a warrior on behalf of women's self-image and safety at work. But she says it was being here that pushed her over the edge. And put like that, it's depressing that more women haven't had that reaction too. I just can't stay silent anymore. I can't, she says. I don't care if I'm going down. I'm going down in flames. I'm fine to not work in this industry, but I'm not fine to not say something. Yeah. (sighs) I love it. (sighs) I know. The older she gets, the more Jamil becomes uh, aware of the way shaming works to keep women from stepping into their power. I've realized all Mm. of the things I wanted, most of them were available to me all along. I was just made to believe that they weren't. She's currently working on a book, untitled at the moment, and it is a compendium of everything she wasn't told. Ooh. I was not given the information that I needed as a young person to survive this tumultuous life, and all I want is to be the voice that I didn't have in the hopes that I might reach some people and remind them that we are exceptional, rounded creatures, she says. The Time's Up movement showed her how women working together can get shit done and fast. We just need to keep fighting, she says. More of us need to say, you know what? I'm going to love myself. We need to put more scientists on the covers of magazines, more variety like there is for men. There needs to be less breaking women and selling to women and more nourishing them. And then we'll be great. We'll all be equal. I love you, Jamila. Yeah. And so I wanted to end with what she had. There's a couple of tweets that she had. One of them is pinned right now because she is so brash and out there and she's making a lot of accusations at very famous women. Yeah. And she's been criticized that it's not very feminist of her to put down women. Sure. Blah, blah. And so this is kind of her statement on that. And I think it's important to kind of end on it. Um, She says, to anyone who thinks feminism means never calling other women out, you're wrong. And this is not progressive. We call men out all the time when they hurt women. We have to also call out women who do the same. Your gender does not protect you from being accountable for your bad behavior. When I mess up, I'm taken to task and heavily criticized by those who feel offended. Because of that, I've been forced to look at myself and work harder to evolve. I have been a bad feminist in the past, a misguided, accidentally non-intersectional, ignorant dickhead, and I'm thankful to the women who have and who continue to call me out because they teach me that I'm not there yet and I can do better. 
Feminism is about equality, and that means also being equally as responsible for the well-being of all other women as we expect men to be. Most of us are just most of us are just feminists in progress, and we always have more work to do. I know I'm being a bit extra over this whole thing, <laughs> but the war against women's bodies and general image is ongoing and out of control. Teen surgery, eating disorders, and self-harm are at an all-time high, so it's going to involve a big noise to fight back. Don't like it? Mute me. And that's Jamila Jamil, <laughs> who has made me feel very feisty recently. And I love her I know. so much. Well, and this feels really um, appropriate for right now because it's the week before Christmas. And like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, and everybody's like, we're eating holiday treats and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we're going to come back from all of our holidays on January 1st and just feel horrified with ourselves and be beating ourselves up and oh, yeah. you know like that's oh, yeah. kind of what we're taught to do and this is a really nice reminder that like you know we can't we can't do that to ourselves and like we just yeah we just need to not worry about it and take care of ourselves and have fun if we want to have fun and yeah and sometimes it takes some vigilance to continue to remind ourselves of that because it's so pervasive this like deep-rooted sense of shame for all people but i think in very particularly for women oh yeah um yeah and it was very helpful for me personally and this is why i want to talk about her because i was i had kind of a meltdown this week when i was going holiday clothes shopping oh gosh and i literally broke down crying in the dressing room because I found a bra that fit me. That's why I started. But I like looked at the bra and I was like, there's no way that's going to fit me. Those that's huge. And then I put it on and it fit me perfectly. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then I read about this woman who is being like a warrior for for positive self-image, positive life image. Yeah. And, and learning that at one point she gained 75 pounds while in the public eye. I was like. Okay. (laughs) If Jamila can do it, so can I. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, if she can learn to love herself, so can I. She's tall. She's pretty. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and and her journey also reminds us that, like, our bodies are always changing at any given time in our life. Our our body will be different than it was the year before. And we're constantly, like, trying to morph our bodies so that we reach something we reach this ideal and then we'll be where we want to be and we don't we don't think about the fact that like it's always going to change it's always going to go up or down or whatever based on your lifestyle based on you know the medication you're on based on whatever it is that is happening what you're going through what's yeah your stress whatever who cares like the point is that it's your body and it's still taking you where you need to go right and it's still doing what you need it and life is still happening and maybe you should focus on the things happening in your life instead of focusing on Exactly. The, what's going wrong in your mind with your body. Yeah. Instead of just being grateful for your body. Yeah. And that's hard to remember because there's not that many of her, you know? We're, no. We have more Kim Kardashians saying, you, There's you know, more of that than there is of her. Exactly. And so, like, it is on us to remind ourselves of that because there aren't, there aren't people in the public eye doing that very much. Right. 
But when there is somebody in the public eye doing it and doing it in the way that she is. So unapologetic. So unapologetically. (laughs) And not disingenuous. Like like you were mentioning how it could feel disingenuous coming from somebody who looks, you know, the way she she looks now. She's she's conventionally very beautiful. Like she's statuesque. She is stunning in like and she's, you know, curvy enough for Hollywood although I read also an article about a guy who recently came up to her at the gym and was like I can teach you some stuff to get you where you want to be and she she was like excuse me do you realize that's a really horror and he's like no I've just seen you and you have like a great body but you could be perfect and she was like fuck you don't talk to people men or women about what you think they need to be doing with their bodies you don't know me I'm very she, she was like I'm actually very happy with the way my body looks right now thank you and he was like, yeah, but it couldn't. She's like, nope, you're not going to finish that sentence. Like. <laughs> ugh. Ugh. God damn. That just makes me. It just. Ugh. Uh, ugh. And we're we live in New York. And so we see a lot of that. And like, oh, my God, there are models everywhere. There are models everywhere. And even just not even models. It's just women who are so thin. <sighs> and it's just like, oh, my Lord. Yeah. So it's really easy to like. I don't know to feel sort of inundated with all of that where we are yeah but it's refreshing to have a good witch bad bitch I think she's both I think she's both Um, she's a bad bitch in that badass way being a good witch she's a bad bitch for the progression of good yes I like it dude that was like out of the box and wonderful and such I just feel like I needed that I just wanted to know more about her, where she came from, and why she is the way that she is. And when I started research, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. She, what? Oh, my God. I had no idea, but I freaking, I love it. Yeah. And hold on, let me pull it. Because I was, I was like, one of the things when I started Googling her, um, like one of the things that obviously popped up was weight gain. And I was like, what? I was like, gross. But I clicked it to be like, what the fuck are they talking about? And then I was like, oh, she actually did at, for a while. like, Because, you know, I look at her and I assume, oh, that's the way she's always looked. Right. And it's not. And but she was famous. But that's in, she was famous for being a radio personality, which is so funny <laughs> that they still were super focused on what the fuck she looked like. Yeah. Because she's beautiful. Yeah. But the thing is, they don't do that shit to male radio presenters. No, you can look like whatever you want. Yes. When you're a dude. And I like that she mentioned, like, because I think Mark Ruffalo is, like, fucking adorable. And I love him. Of course. And he does have a a dad bod. And, like, we still think he's, we still think of him as a leading man in a lot of ways in our, in our society. And we don't have that really as much. We've never encountered it. Well, one of the reasons why I love watching her on The Good Place is because she is, like, she is curvy, and that is nice <laughs> to see. She's Hollywood curvy. She's Hollywood curvy, yeah. but that's still but curvier does, than most. She has big boobs, that's for sure. And that's one of the things that she, because people would airbrush, she has stretch marks on her boobs. So if she has, like, low-cut things, they would airbrush the stretch. And she's like, fuck you, no. Yeah, that's a common I, she, thing. She was like, I had so much shame constantly about the stretch marks on my breasts. And if I had known that other women had this, maybe I wouldn't have been so self-conscious about it. So don't take those off of me. Maybe other little girls will see it and feel better about themselves. Yeah. Because like, it is a it's a thing 
many, many women deal with. And yes. you would never know. Thank you very much. You're welcome. That was awesome. Do you want some on this day in history? Yes, I do. So we were talking about this earlier, we, what we've encountered, because we went through a period where like summer to fall, it's like everything in history is happening. Yeah. But in December, it's pretty slow. <laughs> yeah. I think all of humanity starts to, I mean, stuff happens, obviously, but like. On we hibernate. Whole, we hibernate a little yeah. bit. So December 19th is the day this episode drops. So December 19th, 1606, the ships Susan Constant, Godspeed, and Discovery depart England, carrying settlers who founded at Jamestown, Virginia, the first of 13 colonies that became the United States. Oh. That first, first wave of colonization. They launched today. Uh-huh. All right. On their way to Jamestown. Weird. Great. Jamestown, <laughs> named after King James? What? That's weird. It's Plymouth. We just come from Plymouth. <laughs> the Mayflower. Uh, that was... Anyway. Uh, December 19th, 1929, the Indian National Congress promulgates the Purna Swaraj, the Declaration of Independence, Independence of India. Independence? <laughs> Independence. I'm done. I'm almost done. Let's just get through this last. Yep. <laughs> uh, December 19th, 1995, the United States government restores federal recognition to the Nata Wasepi Huron Band of Potawatomi Native American tribe. Oh, wow. So that's cool. Yeah. Sometimes they do stuff. Yeah. Uh, December 19th, 1998, President Bill Clinton is impeached by the United States House of Representatives, becoming the second president to be impeached in the United States. For lying about having sexual age? Gosh. Who, oh. Does that sound like someone else? That Whoa. We know? Weird. Imagine. Hmm. Wow. Seems like a real minor crime at this point. Lindsey Graham the other day said, I don't care if Trump lied about, about sex. Yeah. Having sex with women. Like, I don't care if he perjured himself about this. And someone was like, but didn't you impeach Bill Clinton for this same thing? Yeah. Maybe. Anyway. Um, December 19th, 1910, birth of Jean Genet. Genet? I think it's. It's either or. He's a French novelist, playwright, and poet. I did a scene from one of his plays called The Maids. It's crazy, somewhat kinky, and sexual. It's interesting. Ooh. For of its time, it was like, whoa, but he's French. Um, speaking of French birthdays, December 19th, 1915, uh, Edith Piaf oh. was born. And she was? She's a French singer. Singer. Like, mm-hmm. Thank you. Yep. My brain was like. Jazz, Marion Cotillard maybe. played her in yeah, a yeah. movie about her. That's right. It's called La Vie en Rose. La Vie en Rose. Which is a song. Yeah. Thank you. That's La Vie en Rose. <laughs> <laughs> that's it right there? That that's, was the whole the, song? That's the whole song. Okay. Um, also, happy birthday today to Jake Gyllenhaal. Happy birthday, Jake. <laughs> Doing great. 1980, he was born. Oh, man. So he is now 38. Wow. It's, oh, it's weird that people born in the 80s are... I know, stop. <laughs> like us. <laughs> um, deaths. December 19th, 1986, V.C. Andrews died, who's an American author. Oh. Wrote Flowers in the Attic. Oh. My. And a lot of other weird fucked up books about incest. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Creepy, weird books. Yep. Um, and then this one randomly, I don't know anything about her, but I kind of want to learn more. 1997, uh, Sarah Northrop Hollister, American occultist. Ooh. Died. 
Uh, yeah, whatever, whoever that's, that's that person is. about her. <laughs> yes. All the occultists. I'm, I'm down for learning about them. Fuck. Yes. Thanks, dude. You're welcome, dude. Dude. <laughs> Dudette. I think that uh, we should go make some more coffee and... Um, you didn't tell me what you're excited about, though? Call it... A- oh, yeah. I'm excited about more coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say this one, even though we have one more episode before, but the next episode we're going to talk about what you're excited about, so I'm just going to mention it. <laughs> I'm excited about our uh, Ben and my anniversary coming up. Gross. On, on December 31st. Aww. Don't be gross about it, Benjamin. It's true. The reason I'm excited is because it was uh, it was a secret uh, elopement. Yeah, y'all eloped and didn't tell me about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Until we- after you were official, your official wedding ceremony, which was 10 months later. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, we got married last year. And I was like, but... Excuse me? Well, we didn't um we we were already planning on like having two years, a ceremony. Right? Yeah, it'll be yeah, two years. Yeah, it'll be two years. Two years of marriage yep. anyway. Two years of marriage. Yeah, we've been together for too long, a decade at this point. It's time to time to break up. Time now. for the divorce. Time for the divorce. <laughs> <laughs> the anniversary is for the divorce. I'm really excited to serve you with papers. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, but no, it's fun. I mean, just because, like, you know, it's also New Year's Eve, and so we get to... Yeah, it's a very cute story. Where did you guys elope? Yeah, so we didn't know we were going to do it until, like, the day day or two before we did it. Yeah, what's the... You have to get a license, and there's a waiting period. Yeah, so you have to go to... Um, Oh, my God. City Hall. City Hall. I was going to say Civil Hall. That's clearly incorrect. City Hall. You're welcome. Thank you. You have to get the license, and then you have to have it in hand for 24 hours before you can, you know, go back to City Hall and get it signed by, you know, an officiant. And we went on the day before City Hall was going to be closed for the holiday. So we were like, oh, shit. Well, we have, we're have we going to have to have this in hand for 24 hours, but we can't go back to City Hall. You need to find somebody. We need to find somebody yeah. because we wanted to get married before um, January, basically. We wanted to get you, married before 2017. Before we wanted, Trump be, was sworn in uh-huh, as president? Yeah. We're, we knew we wanted to do it before the first, and yeah. that was that was what we needed to do. We needed to find an officiant, and so I went to Twitter and asked um, asked a friend if he knew anybody, and he found found us an author who was also an officiant and Which she is kind of adorable it's so adorable and appropriate for by you the guys. way if anybody needs an officiant in new york her name is bonnie pipkin and she's fabulous she met us at grand central station she uh, over, so this is the cute part this is the cute part she met us at grand central station she wrote um she wrote a ceremony in obviously under 24 hours and incorporated things that we love, like Star Wars and Harry Potter. And uh-huh. yes, it's very cute. And um, we went and we got uh, 
married with two two witnesses and her and obviously Benjamin in in the kissing gallery which is which is where couples had to go to kiss their significant other goodbye before getting on their train because you weren't actually allowed to like kiss PDA was frowned upon PDA was frowned upon throughout the station except in this one area at the time at the time and actually what's really sad is the kissing gallery is gone now that is really sad. They are knocking it out to make room for the Long Island Railroad. At Grand Central? At Grand Central. Are, is it going to leave Penn? Or are they just adding a new I think they're just terminus? adding a new a new terminal. And so I went, I was, I, I brought a friend there to show her where Ben and I got married last year. And it was closed off and they were knocking it down. So we were really lucky to actually be able to use that room at all because it's gone now. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. That's what I'm excited about. That's adorable. Make sure you uh, uh, give us some new reviews. If you haven't reviewed us already, we are in desperate need of a new one. And by desperate need, I mean we would just be happy. It would just make us happy. (laughs) Um, Even if it's a negative one? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, you do you. (laughs) If you're listening, hopefully you like it. Yeah, that's Um, my hope. And you can... uh, Follow us on social media. We're on uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and Facebook at GWBB Podcast. You can send us an email at GWBBpodcast at gmail.com. Tell your friends. Kitty says to please listen to more. Yeah. Keep. He is just talking it up. My God. Cool. He's, he's ready for coffee, too. All right. All right. And on that note. Peace out, witches. Bye. Thank you for listening to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. Thank you for listening. (laughs) You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Blueberry, and more. Basically anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Mm -hmm. If you like our podcast, it would be really helpful if you could please like and subscribe, rate and review, share with your friends on social media, word of mouth, Mm -hmm. all of that. It's great. Yes. And you can find us on Twitter at GWBB Podcast. Instagram is the same. And we are on Facebook under Good Witches, Bad Bitches Podcast. And hey, guess what? If you want to hear all of our episodes, they are all up at our website, GWBBpodcast.com. If you have a story about a woman in your life that you want to share with us and that you want us to share on our podcast at some point, you can email us at GWBBpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, guys. You know what? If you like what you hear, maybe please consider a little bit of supporting us financially by visiting our tip jar. Um, The link is in the show notes. Every little bit helps. It just kind of makes it so that we can keep this going so that it has some longevity. So just think about it. See, See how you feel about it. Or you can support this podcast directly by buying us a coffee on our Ko-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> so that is ko-fi.com slash GWBB podcast. Um, coffee start at $3 because that's generally the price of a fancy coffee and it just helps us keep the ship going. Good Witches, Bad Bitches is produced by Moon Bounce and powered by Pine. Boom, boom, boom. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening.